Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. And welcome in to another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're new to the show, I apologize in advance because normally we have a lot more emphasis, excitement, enthusiasm in our voices, but I just can't do it today. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Matthew Betts, one of the hosts of the show, joined as always by Matt Okada, my co-host. And Okada, I I wanted to be excited about this podcast, and I still am. Let's let's not lie. I still am excited to talk football. But we got crushed over the weekend with some heartbreaking news. We have to lead off with it. We we don't want to want to waste time not talking about it. Andrew Luck has retired from football. What is happening? Yeah. Um I honestly don't know. I have not fully processed or recovered. Um I was at work at the network uh watching preseason games in our screening room and uh Lindsay Rhodes was sitting behind me and in the middle of a preseason game I just heard her like pretty much yell what and we looked on Twitter and Adam Schefter had filed a report that Andrew Luck was retiring and we basically sprinted to the stage and I spent the next five hours doing Andrew Luck research because I was the only researcher in the building at that time of night on a, <laughs> what was it, a Sunday, was Saturday, Saturday night. Sunday, Saturday. Yeah, there was no one there. So it was an insane experience and I don't know, I still haven't really come to terms with it. I haven't either. Uh, but yes, very sad. Honestly, going to bed Saturday night, I was genuinely sad, woke up Sunday Still hard to even process it. I mean, we're recording this on Monday night. I still can't believe it. I was just watching YouTube clips of Andrew Luck highlights right before Okada and I hopped on the podcast because I'm going to miss him, man. Like, he was such an elite quarterback in the NFL, and those are so hard to come by. Um, Good person, fun to root for. Obviously, with what I do in terms of being a physical therapist and injury, like just a good guy to root for coming back from so many injuries. And obviously, that's kind of what led to his retirement here. And I do wish him well later on in life after football. I hope he finds full health for once. I mean, you look at this guy's injury list. It is quite long and very serious injuries, not only the shoulder, but lacerated kidney and cartilage injury in his ribs. And now this calf strain, high ankle sprain posterior tib uh, <laughs> impingement is what it's called. Basically, ankle what? pain. Yeah. Just, I hadn't even yeah, heard that. So, so much. I just wish the guy well. Um, but we got to talk about it, man. We, we have to try to somehow muster up the courage to move on here. We have to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. So have you adjusted your rankings yet? Um, I have done a quick adjust to my rankings. I have not yet done a full projection uh, reshuffling. So that will still need to happen. But I did adjust my rankings uh, for all the major players. T.Y. Hilton dropped pretty considerably for me, obviously. Marlon Mack drops a couple spots just because that offense is not going to be as good. Um, Yeah, those are the, the main pieces that mattered. Obviously... Every quarterback moves up a spot except for two or three that were ahead of luck, uh, at least when he was healthy. So it's a, it's a very it, – it has a pretty heavy effect for fantasy on some pretty big names that we're going to be – we were very hopeful, and especially Mack. Yeah, Marlon Mack was the one that honestly I think has affected the most. I mean, some people say the opposite. Some people say it's T.Y. Hilton. I think I agree with you. In general, everyone takes a little bit of a bump down because – when Andrew Luck's on the field, the offense is moving the ball with more efficiency. They're closer to the goal line. Obviously, that brings more scoring opportunities. For Mac, if he doesn't have those scoring opportunities, I fear he could be less than what we want him to be. Even though, you know, on this podcast, you and I both and Kent 
have been fans of Marlon Mack, I fear that they're not going to score enough for him to really sustain a ton of his value. And the other thing is, when you look at his game splits from last year, he did a lot of damage when the Colts were winning, when they were grinding down yep. the second half, trying to you know take time off the clock. If that doesn't happen, I fear Mack could be back-end RB2. I mean, I bumped him down to, to running back 24 with the news. So like you, I need to go back and look at the numbers in a little bit more detail, look at the projections. But yeah, it's a, it's a down arrow for all pieces of this offense. I think um, the excitement just surrounding the Colts is so different. Would you agree? Oh my gosh, that's the worst part. And I'm sure most of you who've watched any television or been on Twitter have seen the stories of the boos that the Indianapolis fans uh, were giving Andrew Luck as he walked off the field in the middle of that preseason game because the, the news broke while the team was on the field and he was not dressed but was there. And there's been a lot of backlash for those fans. And listen, it's not justifiable. He dedicated years of his life to that team. And they've also had, before that, a dozen years of Peyton Manning. So they really have nothing to complain about. Having said that, in the moment, I can understand where they're coming from because this team goes from top five Super Bowl contenders to out of the playoff picture, pretty much, in my opinion, uh, which is just insane for a team to have to suffer that kind of loss um, right before the season starts like this. So that's rough for the Colts. It's rough for fantasy, for the Colts players. It's um, rough for our hearts. Yes, it's it's. Oh my gosh, the word the this is gonna sound dumb, but the the like the nail in the coffin of my feels was Captain Andrew Luck's yes. last tweet. Did you see yes. that? So sad. That was so rough because that account is so amusing and it has been hysterical for years. And he he sent this last tweet. He writes letters to his mother for anyone who doesn't know this parody account of Andrew Luck. And the last line is just, "I am coming home to care for you and the farm." <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it's a bummer in general for everyone for the nfl for fantasy uh tough to see him go i gotta ask you this we're sitting down to podcast in two years from now is andrew luck back on an nfl field mm. first of all uh i think we should take solace in the fact that we're still podcasting in two years because that means we're doing go our us. job <laughs> <laughs> yeah um no I don't think so. My overall take pretty much on the situation is, listen, this guy's made 90-some million dollars playing football over the last seven years. He has a wife. He has a lot of physical wear and tear in his body. He wants to go and travel and be with his family. Why the heck would you not walk away from the game in a situation like that where it feels like all you're doing is constantly rehabbing and you've you know, you have all the means to live a happy life and just spend time with the people that you love. So I don't. I mean, he's a great football player, but he's also a very smart guy. So if he ever did want to do pretty much anything else, he could probably do it. But he really doesn't have to. So no, I don't think he comes back. Yeah, I've heard some rumblings. People saying maybe he'd be good in the booth. Maybe he'd be good like as a quarterbacks coach later in life if he gets the itch. But yeah, I find. He's a type of player that I just find it hard to believe that he would come back. Like he seems to have made a very calculated, smart decision. I mean, you mentioned mentioned his, you know, his brain. Stanford grad, a super smart guy. Um, yep. So yeah, I think I'm with you there. Wishing him well for sure. But let's let's go ahead and bring this podcast back to a, a more of a happy feel. All right, it's draft season, man. I mean, we are in the thick of draft season. And because of that, we dropped a top 10 running back rankings episode on our last show, which was fantastic. Um, if you missed it, please go back, give it a listen. I want to make our listeners aware, I think you and I provided the most comprehensive Todd Gurley analysis that I've heard and or read mm. anywhere from a NFL insider perspective from your NFL network days and my injury analysis background you need to go back and listen to that episode. Uh, please do. And please draft Todd Gurley. That's all I'm going to say about that. But today we are not talking running backs. We are talking wide receivers. Again, we'll give you our top 10. We'll talk about why they're ranked where they are. Uh, we'll talk about the pros and, and cons, maybe if we can even come up with some cons for these guys and, and tell you where we're drafting them. But before we do, 
Okada, I got to ask you a question because we're in the thick of draft season. Mm, we are. What has been, in your experience in the drafts you've done, what has been your favorite value pick so far that you have personally made? My favorite, my favorite value pick. Um, this is tough. I've had quite a few drafts going on over the last few days. Of course, it's going to be a Kyler Murray pick. And the best one that I can come up with off the spot was our Red Shirts Riders League, where I got him in the seventh round. Uh, oh boy, how many? Let's see how many picks after. About one round after Andrew Luck. Oh, you hate to see you that. You hate to see that. Uh, but QB seven, which is pretty much where I have him in the seventh round, just ahead of one pick ahead of Ben Roethlisberger, and we got to see him play well in his third preseason game after a rough uh, second week outing. So that gave me a little bit of a boost of confidence and, and joy in owning Kyler Murray. And this is one of the places I do. So got to love, love it. it. Can I give you my favorite value so far in drafts that I've done? What it is. So I was in a, an industry draft last night, not a mock. This was real uh, with the guys from Everyday Fantasy Football. Uh, one of the guys from GoingFor2.com. Dynasty Trades HQ, so smart dudes. I took Naheem Hines with my last pick. Full PPR, after the Andrew Luck news, in games last season where the Colts were trailing, Naheem Hines did a lot of damage. Do you think that was a good pick? I do. I like Naheem Hines. He's one of the few guys that might actually benefit uh, from the quarterback switch because if that team is behind more often, like you said, looking back at last year's numbers, there's a good chance Hines sees the field more, catches more passes. Um, and if they have to lean on, if they try to lean on the run game more overall and Mac gets worn down a little bit more by that, that might open opportunity for Hines as well. So I think he's a great pick. Listeners, if you have a, a value that you have just fallen in love with this season that you've been able to snag in your drafts tag us on twitter we want to hear it at redshirts ff pod mention myself at the fantasy pt and matt okada at matt okada uh, we'd love to hear from you guys we want to keep interacting with you all season long so be sure to hit us up on there check out redshirtsfantasyfootball.com okada have you seen the content going up over there my lord it is brilliant literally a new article every single day so many I can barely even edit it. Our, our writing staff is doing fantastic. Check them out. Uh, Okada, without further ado, we're going to skip the rest of the news because Andrew Luck stole the show. Let's get into the injuries. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. All right. The, what would have been biggest news of the preseason if it didn't happen just a few hours before Andrew Luck retired, Lamar Miller on a nasty hit running the ball uh, early in the week three preseason game, injured his knee, turns out after whatever tests they do, I'm not even going to try to say their names, but I'm sure it has an MRI involved in it. And somehow tore his ACL, will miss the entire season. I mean, is there anything to say about this from an injury standpoint it, besides the fact that it's a torn ACL? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, we want to see maybe how his rehab goes, obviously. Um, you know, if there's anything that is additional damage inside the knee joint, it could prolong his recovery and make it more than, you know, that typical nine to 12 month process. So just watch out for kind of what happens. I doubt we'll hear anything until next off season. So it's going to be quite a while, but if you're talking dynasty, I mean, this absolutely crushes Lamar Miller's value. This was his contract year. The 2020 running back class is going to be loaded. Um, they might trade for, a running back here so yeah it's tough to see Lamar Miller having any value in fantasy moving forward yeah so I think you hit on the most important point which is what the Texans decide to do a running back obviously they have Duke Johnson who they just traded for but he's never really been a long-term uh full-time three down starter in the league and I don't expect that he will be for the team every other guy on that depth chart is a no-name mostly undrafted Maybe we can see something from them. Heck, this team had one of the best undrafted free agent running backs of all time in Arian Foster, but it's not likely. So I expect them to go out and get somebody. Does anyone stand out to you, either by trade or in free agency, that 
that maybe our listeners should be keeping an eye on or even adding now in dynasty leagues yeah i mean i don't know that you can add him in dynasty leagues because i think he's rostered but look at what's going on in kansas city uh Carlos Hyde may not make that roster. If he gets cut, I could definitely see him signing with uh, the Texans and or via trade. The other thing is the Eagles have 19 running backs on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In all seriousness, they've got, I think, eight. Um, four of them will get cut. They're decent. You know, Josh Adams comes to mind. Um, maybe Corey Clement, if somehow he doesn't make the roster, I think he does. But Watch out for one of those Philly running backs. And then lastly, uh, let's not forget about Jay Ajayi coming off of the torn ACL from week five of last year. So almost a full year recovery. I haven't seen a lot about him. It's hard to get news this time of year with guys that aren't on an NFL roster because you're not seeing the beat reports and all that kind of thing. So um, those are the three names that come to mind for me. Yeah, I think those are all good ones. The one other one that might be interesting, there's been talk throughout this offseason in fact i've said it on this podcast that maybe Lashawn mccoy gets cut by the bills because they have a couple other running backs there and he has a big cap hit for them or maybe he gets traded straight up and the texans go out and get Lashawn mccoy that could be interesting um i don't even know if he's that much of a downgrade from lamar miller so we'll see what happens keep your ears to the uh whatever place the news comes from <laughs> the sleep wrap <laughs> uh yes The one other big uh, injury scare from last week was Cam Newton, who uh, ended up limping off the field and getting his foot looked at during the preseason game. Uh, It sounds like it's pretty mild. What is your take here, Betts? Yeah, all all indications right now point to it being a minor midfoot sprain. So those are the joints that make up basically the, the bones that connect to the arch of your foot. And essentially, whenever you plant into the ground and twist quickly, such as when you're cutting, uh, it can cause stress to those joints. That's what gets sprained here. Fortunately for Cam, you know, he was in a walking boot, but that's pretty standard of care afterwards. He's going to be fine uh, for week one. But we should really caution our listeners, you know, his mobility will be affected probably for a couple of weeks. So if you're expecting the same old cam, that's going to rush the ball as much as he has throughout the course of his career. It may not happen for the first few weeks of the season. All right. Uh, the other big one from at least the, uh, severity standpoint is Hakeem Butler, the rookie wide receiver for the Cardinals who has, I believe a fractured hand. Is that right? Betts? Yes. He has an avulsion fracture in his finger. Oh my, that sounds bad and nasty. The fan- usually the fancier the word, the worse it is. Mm, true, true. Uh, so for him, you know, an avulsion fracture basically is where a ligament or tendon causes um, a pull on the bone and a little bit chips off with the tendon or ligament. Oh my. So uh, it's, a, it's a relatively serious injury. It has to get addressed surgically. So he is on IR as of now. Ouch. So that probably slightly boosts the fantasy value especially dynasty of a couple other guys there isabella maybe larry fitz perhaps uh i had a keen butler for uh, several touchdowns so those are gonna have to get divvied up somewhere um and then a couple other quick receiver notes here robert foster dealing with a toe issue for the bills and david moore for the seahawks what's his issue uh, David Moore, he's got a hairline fracture of his humerus, which is your upper arm bone. Um, he, he got a second opinion on it. Is that a funny bone? Uh, it is part of the bone that connects to your quote-unquote funny bone. Mm, which is not connected which to the knee bone. Which is not connected to the knee bone. No. I know that. I had... <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story real quick. Science. I had a, a oh, friend gosh. in PT school who we had our first ever exam where you had to go into the room... You had a patient that you had to, you drew a card. A real life one? Uh, no, someone acting as a patient. Oh, You okay, drew a card. Okay. You had to palpate or kind of feel on the body these different structures with mm-hmm. accuracy and then tell your instructor what all inserts or attaches onto that part and do like what the muscle does. So it's just this whole thing that you have to memorize. It was so much. My friend just walks in and he goes, watch this. <laughs> he walks up to the lady, takes the card and laughing goes, the knee bone's connected to the ankle bone. <laughs> the instructor oh was not gosh. happy. Stone oh, cold no. the whole time. But yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's my funny PT school s- story there. I still laugh about it to this day. Uh, but for him, you know, he had two opinions. This is David Moore. He was going to be put on injured reserve, 
Now they're, you know, evaluating it, saying he can rest and rehab and he should be good to go at some point this season. I would honestly expect it to be at least a month before we see him out there. Uh, so, you know, the first part of the season, even more for Tyler Luck, Tyler Lockett, excuse me, I just said Luck, he's on the brain, is, uh, is in my opinion, if who's going to benefit here. What are your thoughts on the ancillary pieces there behind him? Yeah, I agree. That's that's kind of the effect with all three of these guys, Butler, Moore, and Foster, is it's not so much about them because they were kind of late darts at best anyways, but taking their targets out of the picture could elevate some of the other guys around them. So Lockett has to benefit a little bit. There's a possibility DK Metcalf gets a few more targets than he, wouldn't ha- than he would have. Uh, and then over in Buffalo, um, maybe you can tell us how long you expect Robert Foster to be out, but that certainly w- is a positive for John Brown from a fantasy value for as long as he is. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, he only played two snaps in week three of the preseason. He's dealing with turf toe, which, you know, every time now you, you hear of turf toe, you think of A.J. Green. So, yeah, it's it's not going to get better this season for Robert Foster. I mean, unless they shut him down and let him rest and recover the way he needs to, if he tries to play through it, I don't think he's really going to be 100% at any point this season. Obviously, we know that's going to affect his speed and his performance, and then therefore re-injury risk. So, yeah, he's a guy I think a lot of people were starting to kind of hype up as a sleeper, and I think this really does, you know, make that less likely that he really succeeds for us in fantasy. All right, well, that is a little trio of sleeper wide receivers, but we can set them aside, bets and make our way to the tippy-top, the very top rung of the ladder at the wide receiver position in fantasy for 2019 these are the red shirts consensus top 10 coming off of the running backs from last week we've got some big names here and maybe i don't know one or two surprising names perhaps uh, at least in where they are in the list uh so we'll start as we did previously from number 10 the last spot and this is probably the most surprising I think, name in our entire list. It is Mr. Julian Edelman of the New England Patriots. This is uh, this is quite a bit higher bets than you're going to see him going in drafts, I, I would say, or in most people's ranks. I've got Fantasy Football Calculator open right now. They have him at wide receiver 14, so that's four spots lower. This is all in half PPR that we're talking There's a lot of interesting moving pieces to consider right now with the Patriots. For one thing, several of their receivers are injured and not playing. And then, of course, for another, Josh Gordon has been removed from the non-football injury list, which I don't even know why he was on that in the first place, considering it wasn't really so much of an injury as, you know, off-the-field personal battles. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of weird. Uh, But anyways, yeah. But Josh Gordon is returning, and at least for now, is expected to pretty much be ready for week one to play on the outside for the Patriots. So let's start with Edelman himself, and then we'll address the pieces around him. Why is he so high for you? And you're not even quite as high as me. You have him right at 12. I have him at 10. Yeah, I'm not quite as high on him. I mean, still my 12, like you said, my my last wide receiver one. You just look at what's on the depth chart there in New England as far as the wide receiver core. And yes, it's it's gotten better for sure with Josh Gordon coming back. But Nikhil Harry's banged up. He's got some turf toe problems and, and battling a hamstring injury. So not sure what you're going to get from him, especially as a rookie. Obviously, Gronkowski's gone. That's a huge part of the offense. Um, Demarius Thomas coming off the Achilles at his uh, age 31, I want to say, season. So yeah, there's question marks everywhere, and obviously this ball has to go somewhere from Tom Brady. It's going to be the guy that he's played with for his his career. It's his guy. It's Julian Edelman, and I think in any sort of PPR format, wide receiver 12 honestly might be too low. Well, it clearly is too low, bets because 10 is the correct place to have him, which is why I have yeah. him there. Uh, <laughs> basically, it boils down to a lot of what you said and, and just simply the fact that he is safer than so many other guys that I would probably otherwise rank and project above him. In fact, looking at my projections, I have both Vikings wide receivers and Antonio Brown with more projected fantasy points. But I give they both of the all three of those guys have risk factors in them, obviously ABs being much higher that knock them down a tiny peg 
and Julian Edelman is as safe as they come for me. He, I don't think there's any way he's less than 120, 130 targets. I have him for 137. I don't think there's any way he's less than 85 catches. I have him for 92. I he's going to top a thousand yards. He's not. He's not going to be one of the guys probably who goes for 14 or 1500 necessarily, but somewhere between a thousand to 1200, I feel like is almost a guarantee for Edelman. I have him for seven touchdowns. That could be one of the big swinging points for his fantasy value. He's had years where he's had been very useful in the red zone and then others where he's just scored a few touchdowns. I think Gronk being obviously off the team at this point might slide a few of those touchdowns Edelman's way. We'll see, especially if Josh Gordon can stay on the field, how much he takes. But with the safety that you get with Edelman and the place you're drafting these guys in the second round, I really like just having a guy I know I can plug in every single week and get reliable numbers from. Have you seen Edelman go in round two? Uh, you just said in the second round. I mean, back end. I would say that's, back that's end. surprising. I've seen him a lot in third and fourth. And if I get him in the third or fourth round, I love that as my wide receiver too. Like you said, the safety is is awesome. I mean, you can set it and forget it with Edelman. You know you're getting at least six or seven catches and 80 to 100 yards. And if he can make up for the lack of, you know, extreme yardage that Julio gets, for example, and or supplement that with with a few more touchdowns than what he's had in the past, I think he finishes right here where we have him. So um, I think a little bit higher than consensus, but for good reason. Yeah. And just to clarify, I think what I was getting at is the guys who are going at that back end of the second round, like Antonio Brown and Thielen, those are the guys I have Edelman in the range of. So if I'm making a receiver pick there, I'd rather have the safety of Edelman, although you probably don't have to take him there because, as you said, he's going late third, early fourth. Gotcha. So, yeah, definite, definite value to be had. All right. Well, let's move on to number nine, who has come up in the last 20 seconds. It's Adam Thielen. Uh, you are mostly responsible for this ranking because I have him all the way down at a dastardly 12. Uh, but you have him ranked at 9. He comes in at 9 in our consensus. Okay, the big question is this, Bets: Which Adam Thielen do we see? Is it the first half Adam Thielen who had 8 straight games of 100 yards, tying Calvin Johnson's record, uh, was absolutely mind blowing. The number one wide receiver in fantasy. We don't. We didn't even know what we were seeing. It was incredible. Or is it the Thielen who, for some reason, suddenly appeared in the second half of the season, which was extremely disappointing? Uh, was lapped by Stephon Diggs in fantasy value over that stretch, and all in all, dropped from top wide receiver one status to back end two, even three status for a lot of those games. Uh, that's the, that's the difficulty. I think that's where the risk comes in with Thielen as compared to a couple of these other guys, which is why I have him at 12. But I think with the, with your rank of nine, you're, you're betting a little bit more on the talent and what we saw over the first half of the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we stat these guys out and we look at our projections, we had talked about it on our NFC North preview show. Like I'm honestly fine with either having Diggs or Thielen on my roster, my projections and my scoring gives Thielen the edge by a little bit you do have to invest a little bit more capital to get Thielen if you want him um but yeah I mean he's just too good of a player to not not do what he did last year in general meaning I don't know that he does what he did in the first half of the year I think that was a a pace that's just unrealistic to expect especially with Diggs continuing to take steps forward and he's definitely not wide receiver 22 which is what he was during the second half of the year so I think he's somewhere in between. I think he's right around that 9 to 12 range. I think is fair to rank him. I have him at 9 because when you look at what the Minnesota Vikings do from a passing standpoint, yes, the volume may not be there the way it was early in the season with the offensive coordinator change from last year, but 66% of their passing volume went to the wide receiver position, uh, which was third in the NFL, only behind the Buccaneers and the Falcons. So it's Stefan Diggs, it's Adam Thielen, and it's just a bunch of other guys. Uh, I'm looking at our rankings just to check in, and we interestingly have Diggs at 11, uh, consensus, so right behind Edelman. He's the first guy not on this show. Uh, and I have him at 10, you have him at 11, so w- the average almost ends up being the same as Thielen, 
but just the way things pan out, he pops up ahead of Edelman and Diggs. How close are these guys to you? Is it a coin flip pretty much? Yeah, I think it is honestly pretty much. I mean, like I just said, I would honestly be fine having either of them on my roster. They're both fantastic. Um, the the draft capital thing does matter. And I think, you know, th- these rankings for me factor in a little bit of risk, but they're mostly my raw numbers and how they stat out. And so, like I said, they're they're so close to each other. Honestly, for me, it is a coin flip. I think you'll see that throughout the season. One week, Diggs is going to be the one that you would have rather started or had on your roster and then the next week it's Thielen and some weeks it's both so yeah it's it's totally a coin flip for me yeah I don't disagree uh I literally have their projected fantasy points uh at 203.3 and 202.1 for Diggs and Thielen respectively that's how close they are so this is a situation where if you have multiple drafts throughout the year I'd literally just go for one in each and uh just spread your assets because they're both going to be good, and it's really tough to say who's going to come out on top, if either. Maybe they're just the exact same. They literally both finish with the exact same stat line at the end of the year. <laughs> yes, it's to the third decimal. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's move to our number eight receiver. And uh, th- I don't know. I'll have to check to see if this is relatively low uh, compared to the to the general industry. But we have Michael Thomas. Coming in at number eight, I have him ranked at eight. You have him at seven. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at his fantasy football calculator ADP. He's wide receiver four, going often at the, right at the turn of the first second round. So we are relatively down on Michael Thomas. Obviously, still in our top ten, even in our top eight. So he's a great, great player. But tell you what. Do you see from Michael Thomas the upside of the number one wide receiver? Man, that's tough because he's so good. His talent is not the question. For me, it's the play of Drew Brees that has really fallen off that I am concerned about. Now, I want to say that with a grain of salt because, of course, like you said, we still have him in our top eight. I've got him at seven, so I love him. But does he have the ceiling to get to wide receiver one? I don't think so. Personally, I think his ceiling is probably right around two or three. Yeah, and and I think that's part of why, at least for me, maybe for both of us, his rank is just a little bit lower maybe than you would see elsewhere. And then the guys ahead of him, pretty much all of whom I could see finishing as number one. In fact, I would pretty safely say that Thomas is the last guy that I don't think could be the number one wide receiver. Every other guy we'll talk about on the show, I do see that way. Uh, and it's in, it's really tough to talk about this team and these these players, both Thomas and Breeze, because you want to say that they're kind of not that great um, for fantasy, at least comparative to these guys who absolutely dominate. And it's just not true because they're so good at football. It, it, it's tough to balance that. So, for example, just Breeze set a completion percentage record again. And Michael Thomas set a catch percentage record. He caught 85% of his passes. That is disgusting, Betts. Uh, it's so good that it, it's pretty much unsustainable. In fact, it's almost certainly unsustainable. Although his career rate is before that was around 76%, which is equally stupidly it's good. Ridiculous. So, yeah, it's it's this is kind of the way that I look at it. Both of these guys are extremely good, but neither of them are extremely efficient. They're going to make generally connect on shorter passes. The yards per completion and yards per reception are not going to be as high as you'll see from other guys, especially some of the guys we'll get to in a minute, like Mike Evans or Tyree Kill. So even when he racks up 125 catches like he did last year, 1,400 yards, that's his best season by far. His yards per reception is only 11.2. So a lot of his fantasy value came from the fact that he had a massive reception total. And if that catch percentage does come back a hair, which I think it pretty much has to, you're going to see that both those numbers fall, receptions and yards. Uh, And to your point about Breeze, he's, you know, he's just not quite as strong as he used to be. He's, you know, he's getting up there in age. (laughs) And you're not going to see him hucking it down the field quite as much. And that... Listen, it works for the for the offense because you hit Michael Thomas on a six yard out and he turns out a field for a first down. That's all you need to do. So it works. Uh, but they're but it's not as valuable for fantasy as I think you'll get from some of these other guys that have more upside. So that's kind of how it boils down for me. But 
uh, Michael Thomas is kind of Julian Edelman times two. Yeah. He's basically the buffed up Julian like Edelman. That. You're like gonna get yeah, extreme reliability, lots of catches. Michael Thomas is gonna be better than Edelman for sure, but they both kind of have a cap on their upside just the way that they're used. Let me ask you a question. You asked me if I thought Thomas could finish as the wide receiver one in fantasy, and I said probably not. Of course, we mm-hmm. rank in half PPR. Do you think he could in PPR formats, a full PPR? It helps. Um, in fact, just making that switch, he would probably jump up above a couple of the guys ahead of him, at, at least one. As far as ceiling, yeah, I mean, he probably could. I think a couple other guys might have to get injured or bust for it to happen. But it's certainly possible. He, he He's the kind of guy who could have a 130, 135 catch season. Um, and just be absolutely insane if this offense has to pass a lot, which, and this is part of the problem, they really don't because they have a good defense, they're very efficient, they love to run, uh, they have good running backs, obviously, and they don't have to rely on 5,000-yard Drew Brees like they used to. So that's the reason the upside is capped. And yes, in, in full PPR, he could make it there, but I wouldn't bet on it. All right. Number seven for us is one of the biggest stories of the offseason. It's Odell Beckham Jr., who is going around five in uh, in ADP. So we're, again, a little bit low on Odell. You have him at six, one spot behind his ADP, so really not much I'm of a, hater. a gap. <laughs> yeah, I have him at seven. You're really a hater. I know. I can't. It's, it's truly unbelievable. Uh, I actually really don't like Odell Beckham Jr., so I sort of am a hater. But uh, from a fantasy standpoint, certainly very valuable. The the big question, I think, to answer is this, Betts. We're looking at one of the most talented young wide receivers in the entire National Football League. Possibly the most talented. You look at his per-game numbers over the course of his relatively short career, in which he's missed a lot of games with injury. He blows away the competition. And he's moving from Eli Manning in a trash Giants offense to... Baker Mayfield, who I think we all believe will be better than Eli has been in recent years, and what is shaping up to be on paper one of the best offenses in the league, how does that one-plus-one situation not equal two where Odo Beckham Jr. is a top-three guy for you? Yeah, I think what I'm hearing you ask, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, how does Odell plus Baker and a great offense not get him higher in our rankings? Is that what you're saying? Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just have to look at the names going around Odell, and really that's it for me. That's a small concern. I mean, you, you just look at like what the names are, right? We're going to talk about them here, so I won't spoil it for our listeners, but there's just so many options that it's hard to really tease these guys out. I would not have a problem with anyone having him higher. I drop him down a little bit because of the fact that I think that offense will spread the ball out a lot meaning Jarvis Landry is, is going to get his. I think the running backs get theirs. When Kareem Hunt comes back, he gets some. Um, I think Rashard Higgins is no slouch as a wide receiver three. So this team has weapons all over the place, and I don't know that Odell Beckham gets the massive extreme target share that he got when he was in New York, when he was pretty much the only option. So that's why I have him drop down a little bit in terms of, of my rankings. But like I said, the names in front of him are really what push him back. It's nothing really against Odell himself in this offense. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. A lot of it for me kind of comes down to the fact that while I think this offense is going to be very good overall, I think they're going to be relatively run heavy compared to a couple of the teams that are going to come up in a second. And while Odell is the clear one, he has a two behind him that's probably better than anybody's two left on this list. Maybe a certain Tampa Bay two that we may or may not talk about. Maybe, but yeah, Jarvis Landry is an extremely good NFL wide receiver. So with that, combined with the fact that I think they're going to have a good defense and a great running back in Nick Chubb, I think that this team is going to be able to lean less on the pass than on pretty much every team above them, uh, or uh, or above the Browns, or above Odell in these rankings. And so he'll be the clear one, but it's a, it's a lesser share of a slightly lesser overall pass offense for me 
than the guys right above him. And like you said, it's really close. He's incredible. And the, it's just the fact that these names above him are just so good. And the offenses they're in are, for me, a tick better. Can I ask you a question, Okada, quickly? Y- yes, what it is. Do you think Oda Beckham is injury prone? Ooh, well, let me tell the listeners in general that if Matthew Betts ever asked that question, your best bet nice. is to say no. I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, because he hates that label. And... I would potentially consider saying it, Betts, because of how many games he's missed. We've talked about how he's missed fewer games, or sorry, missed f- more games than Sammy Watkins, despite the fact they were both drafted in the same year. However, I won't say it this time because in previous attempts to say it, you have tried to shoot me down. <laughs> so safety there. I've learned my lesson. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I ask is because I just recently put out an article uh, for the fantasy footballers looking at three players that you can trust coming back from injury this season and he was on the list people are worried about that quad Mm. and people are worried about his soft tissue injuries listen there's no correlation i think he's going to be fine he just came back from that minor hip bruise uh today in practice monday so he'll be fine for this season if you're listening after the show comes out um and you have not drafted draft him with confidence and the reason i brought that up okada is because i want to transition professionally into our sponsor, Ooh. which is the Fantasy Footballers and their ultimate draft kit. It is draft season. like It's it's happening this week or it's happening next week, and then the season is here, which is absurd to even say. So if you have not had the opportunity to, to prepare the way you want to for your draft, get the ultimate draft kit. It's got everything you need, rankings, projections, uh, my injury reports, Matt Harmon's reception perception, you name it, this product has it. And the app is awesome. Have you been using the app when you draft Okada? Mm. I mean, you know, I come with almost a UDK level wealth of knowledge just because I do this podcast with you. <laughs> so I'm a little bit less in need, but I have seen it's, how good the app it's is. It's awesome. You can take players off your board. You can mark them as drafted. It's, it's fantastic. Andy, Mike, and Jason have done a great job. We're excited to partner with them. So if you want to get an ultimate draft kit, Go to redshirtsudk.com and use the promo code REDSHIRTS for 10% off your order today. Also, bets. I will say this. The first strong memory I have of Matthew Betts in the fantasy football community, uh, whose work you can find in the Ultimate Draft Kit, by the way, was an article about quote-unquote injury-prone players and what you really should be thinking about them and a certain Keenan Allen was covered the year after he had missed what two to well, at least a season and a half straight with injury yeah. everybody was freaked out that he was the most injury prone guy uh in the league and he came out and exploded with 1400 yards and did it again last year so that's the kind of stuff you're getting uh with the udk and with this podcast uh because you know best brings that heat the perfect pairing the red shirts and the fantasy footballers all right Let's move on to number six on our list. Now, this is one of the bigger gaps. In fact, it is the biggest gap in in our top ten. Tyreek Hill. So this is all my doing best because I have him at number four. You have him at number eight. What? What gives? <laughs> Regression. That's what gives. Regression. Uh, okay, now, before you get into your speech on regression, I just have to be transparent with the listeners. That we had a conversation about Tyreek Hill regression last year before the season started on a podcast with Kevin Steele. I distinctly remember I as well. this. We said there, we said there's no way he can do what he's been doing, and then he managed to do what he'd been doing and more because he went from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. So you're telling me he's not going to go from Patrick Mahomes to Patrick Mahomes this year is kind of what I'm hearing. Uh, he's not going to take a step forward if that's what you're asking. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really what it is for me when I sat down and projected the Chiefs offense. You know, we had that initial scare where we were like, is Tyreek even going to play? He really wasn't even in our initial projections because at that point he was still maybe going to be suspended for his off the field issues this past offseason. Now he's back. Um, fantastic option at the wide receiver position. So, you know, I want to preface that with I do still want him on my team. I just don't know that the numbers really come out the way that they did last year. I mean, when you look at what the Chiefs offense did, what Patrick Mahomes did 
we just talked about the numbers a few episodes ago with Elliot Christ, and I was telling people, don't draft Patrick Holmes in round three because he's not going to return the value that you need there at that price. And who does that take away from? It's his top target, obviously, in Tyree Kill. So, you know, I still have him as a, a top eight option, obviously, but I don't know that the ceiling is what we saw last year. I mean, I think expecting that is going to be a little bit misleading. Will he still be fantastic week to week? Yes, absolutely. But temper expectations this season. That's why I have him at eight. Yeah. Uh, as far as what we saw last year, you're talking about the number one wide receiver in certain formats, obviously. Uh, so what's interesting, Beth, is I don't disagree with you on regression. Uh, I asked you what you're saying is he's not going from Patrick Mo or yeah, he's he's not going from Patrick Mahomes to Patrick Mahomes. And what's interesting is I kind of feel like he is not going from Patrick Mahomes to Patrick Mahomes in the sense that the Patrick Mahomes we saw last year is not going to be it, almost certainly what we see this year, just because it's impossible to repeat a season like that. And we've talked about it when we talked about Patrick Mahomes uh, in the on the Chiefs podcast, various other times throughout this offseason, especially with where he's going in drafts. A couple other guys have had seasons like Mahomes had last year, bets, namely Tom Brady and Peyton yep. Manning. The seasons afterwards, they it's funny to say fell off a cliff because they were still really good, but they fell off a cliff compared, <laughs> compared to those numbers. You're not going to see 5,050 again from from Patrick Mahomes it's it's so so unlikely just by the way that regression works and the NFL works I think it's nearly impossible so if his numbers come down like you said Tyree Kill's numbers are going to come down that's just the way it is so really the only question is how far do they come down and I have him coming down from one or two to four you have him coming down from one or two to eight so both of us have this both both Mahomes and Hill taking a, a small step back. Uh, for you, it's a little bit bigger. But again, we both see him as extremely high upside. Uh, I would even say also reliable. Would you disagree with that? No, that was the argument that I remember we had last year on the podcast. We were saying mm -hmm. he's just so much of a yo-yo. You know, he wins you your week or he loses your, your week. And he completely put that to bed last season. So I agree. He is reliable. Uh, I would have no question he's in my lineup every week okay and in half ppr is he a guy you do see with number one upside oh absolutely i mean we just talked about how regression is coming but if there's any offense that can do it back-to-back -back seasons it's patrick mm. mahomes and it's the chiefs very fair all right we we have mike evans next on the list coming in at number five now this one this one's a maybe a bit spicy he's down at eight and adp uh Coming off a great, a quietly great season, Betts, um, and getting a Bruce Arians coached system now, maybe that makes a difference. Is that kind of what gets you to five? What is your uh, your confidence level in Mike Evans? I mean, it's definitely the fact that, A, he's done it year after year, and, and no one really gives him that respect. Like you said, last season over 1,500 yards, fantastic year. The other thing that really bumps him up for me, like you said, is Bruce Arians who is known in the NFL for being a very good quarterback's coach. Jameis Winston does have the arm talent to do it, but that thing that sits inside his skull maybe has prevented him from being <laughs> elite. Uh, I think he can take a step forward this year with Bruce Arians, and obviously that would elevate the passing game as a whole. The third factor is the depth chart. I mean, you look at what was there last year. Deshaun Jackson was there. Adam Humphreys, who was very good last year, was there over, uh, I think, 800 yards um, take away all those those targets, receptions, touchdowns, and what's left? Rashad Perryman, Justin Watson, Ew. question marks everywhere. Ew. I mean, it's it's Chris Godwin and it's Mike Evans and OJ Howard, and that's it, really. So I don't see how Mike Evans isn't in for another fantastic year this season. The other reason I have him at five is because he gives you so much upside in the red zone. You know, obviously, in his first couple of years in the league, he put two 12 touchdown seasons out there. So um, I think he is a guy that could really pad the stats like a Devontae Adams from last year with the touchdown receptions. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think these pretty much these top seven that we've been talking about are the only guys in the league who kind of have the ability to hit those 12, 13, 14, 15 touchdown marks. Uh, this season obviously Antonio Brown 
updated last year, but he is not on the Steelers anymore. Sorry, AB. Also, he can't seem to find a helmet that he can wear. And his feet are made of ice. <laughs> um, New developments. His feet are now ice. Yeah. No, so no no disagreement here. Mike Evans is extremely high upside, extremely safe. Like you said, that offense is going to be good, and he is the clear lead uh, receiver in it, despite what he has tried to say about Chris Godwin being very good. Uh, which, by the way, take a look at Chris Godwin, you know? But so is everyone else, so I don't even know if you can get a value on Chris Godwin anymore. Anyways, he's not in our top 10, so let's move to number four. Now, okay, when I said that we had a big gap on Tyree Kill bets, I was not looking ahead to our gap on number four, Devontae Adams. And I'm going to have to explain myself, apparently, because I have him at six and you have him at number one. Yes, sir. Which... Which is not unfair because ADP has been number two. So I'm farther from the general consensus. And here's what I have to say about Devontae Adams, Betts. He is one of the best receivers in the league with one of the best quarterbacks in the league on an offense that I think is going to get much better this season with possibly the best chance at double-digit touchdowns in the entire NFL besides DeAndre Hopkins. So... <laughs> I don't really know what to tell you about why he's at six, um, because everything I just said should get him into the one range. No, but essentially what it comes down for or comes down to for me is what you were saying earlier about Odell, and that's just the names above him. I love Devontae Adams. He is extremely, extremely valuable in fantasy, will be dominant for you, uh, even if you draft him at the, the first round turn. I don't hate it. He will be great. Uh, but there are five guys, including Mike Evans and the next three guys, and Tyreek Hill, who I have ranked above Adams. It's just the way that it fell for me. Um, how how ashamed are you of me and my ranking? Well, I used to respect your opinion when it came to fantasy football. Oh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. No. It's, it's the spiciest take I think you've had in a while. I'll say that. I don't know that I've seen oh. anyone rank uh, Devontae Adams outside of the top three. So that is definitely a little bit of fire on your your part there, but I think your rationale for it is, I think it makes sense. I don't know that I agree with it, but I think it makes sense. For me, he's at one because of the fact that, A, Aaron Rodgers is his guy, and Aaron Rodgers came out this season saying in the offseason he wants to throw the ball more to Devontae Adams. I don't know if that happens because he got so much volume last year, but the rapport is there. When they get into the red zone, he gets the ball Last season, a 26.5% target share, which is fantastic. That's elite. He is the number one for Aaron Rodgers, and we've seen what that is for fantasy over the past few seasons. He is truly one of the guys that I see in fantasy football who can legitimately potentially score up to 15 touchdowns. I don't project him to do that, but he's one of very few that I think could. And so that touchdown upside puts him there at one for me above the other names. Yeah, it's it's fair. Um We'll see if we can get a step forward from Geronimo Allison and potentially Mark Hayes Valdez-Scantlin. Oh, Mark Valdez-Scantlin. This season, uh, that plays a little bit into how he falls to six for me, I think, because I did project uh, a step forward for those guys. So I don't really buy into uh, Rodgers, I'm going to throw in the ball more thing. Because you can't really yeah. do that. Uh, but, all right, let's move to number three. But oh, what I was yes, going to say, yes. he had 31 red zone targets last year. Ah, that is a large number. Can you tell me how many people were below that number? Uh, I would guess at least 280. Every single player in the NFL <laughs> was below that number. That's why he's <laughs> at number one for me. So much volume in the red zone. Gotta love it. Yeah, that's a nice number. All right, number three for both of us, and number three in our consensus is DeAndre Hopkins. Inarguably, inarguably that's, a, that's a fun word to say inarguably one of the best wide receivers just pure talent wise in the national football league right now i actually think he's much better than Devonte adams just from a pure receiver standpoint but adams has one of the best quarterbacks in the league and like you said gets used in the red zone like a madman so that helps but hopkins has absolutely dominated in fantasy over the last few years especially since deshaun watson uh came onto the team and lived a healthy season finally uh Despite, by the way, getting sacked 62 times, which is the most in the league. So good on you, Deshaun Watson. DeAndre Hopkins, he is the number one in ADP and is a generally consensus number one. Him and Devontae Adams, typically. We have him down at three. How dare us? 
Uh, anything stand out to you, Bets, about DeAndre Hopkins that you consider a negative, or is this just another case of the guys above him? I'm going to try to think of something negative to say, and I just did for a few seconds there, and literally mm-hmm, nothing came mm-hmm. to mind except for the gif of him catching the football in between his legs under last his butt season. cheeks. Yep. No, there is nothing negative to say about DeAndre Hopkins. Fantastic quarterback, fantastic situation, consistency, volume, touchdown upside, you name it. He's got it. For us, it's just the numbers came out the way they did. And there's two names on this list that we are both, um, well, I shouldn't say we are both. One of us is high on, therefore it affects our consensus ranking. So, yeah, can't fault anyone that wants to take Hopkins at uh, the first wide receiver off the board. Yep. And I, I think after my many struggles, bets, the one thing I might be able to say is, well, when Kiki QT is healthy, he gets a heck of a lot of targets, or at least he did in a few games last year. Maybe he actually eats into Hopkins' target share if he stays healthy all year. Here's the thing. Number one, that's an unlikely uh, perspective. Is He's not even healthy right now fully, is he? No, he's still dealing with the high ankle sprain. We've talked about it before. Mm. Um, he's going to start ramping up activity in the next week or so, but... Uh, I've told you know listeners before, and I'll say it again, expect a slow first month from Kiki QT. Absolutely. And then uh, I almost as if to balance that out with Lamar Miller gone and this team in flux at the running back position, you have to figure that they may le- lean a little bit more in the past than they would have intended to. So that might even just, you know, take Hopkins back up a couple notches that he wouldn't have that he would have lost if QT stays healthy. So he's uh he's undeniably great you know it's ridiculous while you were talking right there i was just looking up a couple of the statistics from hopkins last year 32.3 percent target share oh what my are you kidding that me? is that is that is honestly too much texans you gotta figure something out over there he is the first read he is the second read and he's the third read for DeAndre yeah. or for uh, deshaun watson which, by the way, tells you even more how good he is because he still manages to put up incredible numbers despite defenses knowing they're throwing him the ball. Uh, yeah, he's great. Um, not quite as great. No, no, no. I won't say that. He is probably greater than the next guy on the list. But I have Juju Smith-Schuster ranked at number one. As we've Wowza. talked about on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, to be fair, I don't think he's better than Hopkins. I think there's a chance he's better than everyone but Hopkins and the next guy we're going to talk about, who's our consensus number one, which is probably a hot take. I think he's really, really good. But beyond that, this is for me about the offense. The Steelers, I don't know if they're going to lose a beat. I think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to keep chucking the ball, maybe not quite as much as he did last year because he led the entire league. But if anything, this this team is going to be slightly more behind than they would have been because Antonio Brown's not there, and they went from two elite receivers to one, which means maybe they just maintain that that kind of passing volume, or at least very high passing volume on a good offense, I think will still be good. And I think Juju is absolutely good enough to be the number one, to take the number one corner from the other team, run him in circles, and put up massive numbers. So uh, it is my fault that he's here at number two in our consensus. I love him. I am willing to take him at the first round turn. You have him at four bets. Do you see number one upside? And if not, do you have any fear for Juju at all? No, honestly, I don't have any fear for Juju at all. I think the offense is going to do enough, and we've talked about it at length with Kent on our divisional preview show. So if you missed the AFC North, go check it out. You and Kent got into it a little bit with... uh, the whole Big Ben argument, and, and that's really where it comes down to um, the question mark surrounding Juju, if you have one, is will the offense do what it has done for so many years? The other thing is, will Ben regress? Because last year he was fantastic, now that he doesn't have AB. So, you know, that's that's really what it comes down to. And, and I've said, I think both scenarios can happen, where Big Ben regresses a little bit, but now there's no AB. Juju is the locked and loaded one, without question, um, I think the team finds ways to get him the ball. They they have to because of the fact that the depth chart is question marks around him with James Washington and Dante Moncrief. He's going to be the guy, and Big Ben can deliver the ball with accuracy. So I think Juju can do it. I think he has wide receiver one upside this season. Obviously, I'm not projecting him that way because I'm not a crazy person like you. Uh, but <laughs> certainly, you know, he could. And, and I don't know if you watched the, the preseason game from last night. Oh, you best believe I did. Yeah, that that post route on the touchdown reception set up the, the cornerback extremely well. 
puts his foot in the ground and blows by the guy. So yeah, his talent is undeniable. He could definitely finish as the wide receiver one. It's within the realm of possibility. Yep. Uh, and will, if Ooh. you listen to me. All right, bets. We have come to number one. Curiously, neither of us have him ranked as number one. <laughs> we That's how consensus rankings work. <laughs> We each have him ranked at number two, but he overall in the red shirts consensus rankings is our number one wide receiver, and that is Julio Touchdown Julio Jones. Let me just read you some numbers, bets. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to 2014. All right, let's start five seasons ago. 1,593 receiving yards. 1,871 receiving yards, 1,409, 1,444, 1,677 receiving yards last season. Is that good? Between a scale of good to also very good, that is, holy crap, what the heck are those numbers? (laughs) He is dominant. I personally believe the most dominant wide receiver on a football field right now. Those yardage numbers just tell the story. He's done it on 136 catches. He's done it on 83 catches. He's done it with 10 touchdowns back in 2012. He's done it with three touchdowns in 2017. And that is where, I guess, the the real crux of this conversation comes in, Bets, is the touchdowns. Because for some reason, we have not seen Julio Jones dominate like we think he should based off who he is, the offense that he plays in. Do you see... Julio Jones actually earning the moniker of Julio Touchdown Jones and making his way up towards that double-digit mark in 2019. Yes, I do. Ooh! And here's why. Spicy. Here's why. Calvin Ridley's touchdown rate last season was not quite as crazy as Tyler Lockett's, but it was still extremely efficient. That has to come down, so there is opportunity there. The other factor is, we talked about it previously, the only time he's had 10 touchdowns in his career, Dirk Cutter was there as the OC. Okada, who is the OC this season? Mm, I believe returning offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter. You are correct. Very good. The other factor to consider here is knowledgeable. that team plays so many uh, games inside of a dome. And when Matt Ryan plays mm. inside of a dome, he is very, very good for fantasy. He's very, very good at being an NFL quarterback, winning the game, completion percentage is up. I mean, you look at the statistics, it's obvious. And the team doesn't have to go outdoors. I think it's until week nine off the top of my head, which is absurd. So those factors for me, combining with the fact that he's guaranteed for 1,400 yards, like you just said, and potentially more with the opportunity to grow in the touchdown count, Puts him there for for me as wide receiver two this season. I think he's in for another absolutely fantastic season. Yeah. Um, listen, he is probably the easiest bet if you have to place a bet on a guy getting 160 plus targets. In fact, he's done it three times in his career, including last year and in 2015 when he had 203. Woo. He's also one of the best bets to get 110, 120 catches. He's far and away the best bet in all of football to get 1,500-plus receiving yards. He is a lock across the board except for those touchdowns, and you just laid out, bets some just spicy arguments for why Julio Jones can finally nail that touchdown bugaboo to bed. (laughs) And... Make himself the number one fantasy wide receiver. And while I don't currently technically have him ranked there, I would be fine flipping a coin between Julio and Juju. Honestly, Julio's safer, um, probably overall, but I do think Juju's touchdown upside is probably a little bit more reliable. So that's where the one-two punch comes from me in my rankings. But Julio Jones is a stud, an absolute stud muffin. If all these other guys were studs, he's a super stud. I am not at all disappointed or upset with our consensus number one ranking for Julio. Uh, and everybody in the uh, industry who dares put him at number three, shame on you. How dare you? Such haters out there, man. Such haters. All We're optimists bunches here of on haters. the Red Shirts pod. We believe. I know, right? We believe in the touchdowns. They're coming. Uh, that's our top ten bets. Quite the list, huh? There are some, uh, yeah, there are some very, very good players on that list with a lot of fantasy upside. Listen, there are. there's a lot less risk 
in the t- in these 10 names we just listed than in our 10 running back names. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. Do you, Bets, have any fears going with a wide receiver, wide receiver start in draft if you are somewhere between the 8th to 12th pick? No, definitely not. And I've done it in a few. I know you've done it in our writer's league with the Julio Juju stack. Oh my. Could you just say that just one more time? It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I did the exact <laughs> same thing in my work league um, in a 14-team league. So I passed on running backs when they mattered most because of these two guys. I think they are as safe as it comes outside of you know your Zeke if he signs, uh, your Kamara, your, your McCaffrey. So if you're there, I think those guys are equally as safe and you can get running backs later that I would feel confident playing alongside these two and it's if you hit on a, a running back in round three or four that steps up into the wide receiver uh, excuse me running back one range you have a cheat code at the wide receiver position against your opponent so i i like that strategy absolutely and i think that's uh, that's an important one to to communicate to our listeners i think a lot of people in the industry believe you have to go running back early ideally running back running back because they all disappear this year i'm loving this strategy bets i am very happy to get two of these guys and then pick from a nice pool of Max and Jacobses and Henrys and Joneses yep. uh, at the three four turn. Yep. So I would agree. Love it. All right, that 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 does it. That does it for the wide receivers. Next week, actually, what's today? Bets. It's Monday. Today is Monday. I don't have any idea what days are happening right now uh, because of Andrew Luck and what he has done to my mind. (laughs) Um, But later this week, then, I believe we will be releasing the first of the final uh, region of our projections. Yeah, we're going out west. Yeah, we're going out west. Big fantasy names to cover, including some that made this show. Uh, So you will see that coming soon. Keep, uh, Keep your subscribe button pressed down i don't know if you really have to do that for it to work but you know just in case uh you will be getting those episodes shortly so look for that and then following that we will we will touch on our quarterbacks and tight ends i assume bets maybe a little bit quicker because no one cares about the quarterbacks and tight ends you know what i'm saying yeah for sure and then it's uh, uh sorry and then guys. it's week one talk man so Ooh. this is the time of the year that if you're not already subscribed do it and if you want to talk football with okada and i at any time of day, day or night, when Okada's grinding at the NFL Network at midnight on the East Coast, uh, you can do it. And you can do it by going to patreon.com slash redshirtspod. We look forward to answering your questions all season long, chatting football, reacting to news, answering start-sit questions, waiver wire stuff. So yeah, head on over, check it out. Uh, it's going to be a fun season, and we look forward to it with you all. One closing thing, bets: We just finished our top 10 wide receivers. Would you... Perhaps like to take a guess at how many days until the opening kickoff of the 2019 National Football League season. Oh my gosh. 10 days until football. We have made it. Until then, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.